the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you today. On this fine day, the number is 888-528-2557. I'm going to turn myself down a little bit. Don't you do that. You know, you, you keep the volume up, but I'm hearing myself in my ears too much here. All right. 888-528-2557. And I say that, you know, if you're on the radio listening, where most of you are, you probably don't know, but you can also watch us on KKLA.com. So uh, as you see, if you're watching there, you see me grimace, that would be why. Hey, it always is good to be with you. You know, there are a couple of different kinds of love in the Bible. And one of them that when you really study the word Philadelphia, uh, maybe that makes you think of Philadelphia, United States, and maybe it makes you think of Philadelphia football fans, and it shouldn't because it's supposed to be the city of brotherly love, right? That's what it's supposed to mean. The interesting thing about that word historically is it didn't really exist until the time of Christianity, until the church. And the if you get a good thesaurus, it'll still have that in there. It'll say uh, another word for brotherly love is Christian love, it'll say. And the reason is, is it was astonishing that Christians decided to love other people for the sake of their Christianity, to love other people who were Christians in a certain way. There were also Christians who were called to hospitality. It's a different word. It's the love of humans, human beings for the sake of their humanity. Brotherly love in the historical Christian sense is love of other Christians for the sake that they are Christians. It's why you might get excited if you hear about, you know, some famous person who's a Christian and you say, oh, they're a Christian. You know, why does that even matter? Who cares? But it it ma- you know, why does it matter to you? I mean, it obviously matters to them. It matters to you because it, it's part of family. It's how that works. We have to look at this in the same way when we're looking at Christians around the world who are dealing with different things, and in particular, Christians who are suffering, Christians who have been persecuted or are being persecuted, and the number of Christians being persecuted around the world is significant. And it matters, and we need to care. The scriptures are very clear that we need to care about Christians in other towns and other nations and other places. It's part of the one body of Christ. I like to say all the time, you know, how many churches are there in Southern California? Well, there's really one. How many churches are there on earth? Actually, there's one. And Jesus determines ultimately who's in and who's out, And uh, although we have some idea about that. One of the biggest things going on for Christians around the world, and uh, but also many Christians right here in Southern California, is uh, things that have been in the news, but maybe you haven't seen a lot of it, and it is a battle going on in Armenia. And our Armenian brothers and sisters have been suffering greatly. And I want to make you aware of it, and I want to talk about that and uh, give you something to pray about, something to think about, and maybe a little bit more with that. And it's important because you may not realize this, but Armenia is the first Christian nation in the sense of the first nation that actually said, you know what, we're going to be a Christian nation. Uh, And something I find interesting about Armenia is that historically, traditionally, it's where Noah's Ark would have landed, Mount Ararat, and that's a big part of Armenian history. With me to talk about this is, uh, make sure I say your name right, Uh, it's Arthur Arsadurian. Yes, 
All right, he's, he's the founder of the Apologia Center, and he was born in Armenia, and he came to the United States at age 11 with his family. And uh, you can find his website. It's a apologetics website, a great website, a lot of resources. He does a lot of online stuff, apologiacenter.com, apologiacenter.com. Uh, Arthur, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate to be here. Hey, thanks for being here. You know, I it's the, the whole Noah's Ark thing, I think, is an interesting thing. We were talking about sure. that a minute ago. Because I think if I'm Noah, I would burn it down, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's there or not. I mean, he, although uh, the part of that story we never talk about is uh, the part where he gets naked and, and gets drunk. And they never had that in the children's Sunday school flannel graph version yeah. of that story. Well, I'd say wine in that region is very good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Noah might have been the first yeah. with that. Seems like it. But as I bring that up, it's... It's a connection to a part of the world that's very important for Christianity, for the history of Christianity, for many things that we talk about. And it's a part of the world that is in the news. There's a lot of suffering going on right now in the war there that most of us don't know about. And, you know, maybe we sometimes struggle to care, but we need to care. Uh, so tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, and uh, let's talk about, in a, in a way, assuming that most people listening don't really know what's going on, you know, what is happening there, and how do we as Christians respond? Sure. I think if we're familiar with uh, the history of Christianity, we know that Christianity didn't start in England or France. That's right. Um, <laughs> it didn't? Uh, yeah, for some people it might be a I've shock. I've seen the movies. Jesus um, uh, has a British accent, I think. There you go. Uh, recently, I think we've been doing good, I guess, in the it, arts of it's representation. Been yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, go and read the book of Revelation and see the seven churches that uh, John is writing to and look them up on a map and mm. see where that is. That's right. And uh, you're going to see that most of those Asia Minor, they're in modern-day Turkey. Modern-day Turkey was not Turkey always. That's, that was the Byzantine Empire. You know, Istanbul used to be Constantinople. Right. Um, because it was named after Constantine. Yeah. So there's quite a bit of Christian heritage there. And, um, and Armenians have been there since the dawn of time, right? Like it, it's... Uh, it, it's very difficult kind of to sit there and say when and how. So that's why people go by kingdoms and when the first Armenian kingdom was. The kingdom of Urartu seems to be the first Armenian kingdom, which is in the 2000s BC. It's a long time um, ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, so Armenians have been in the middle of empires, Assyrians mm -hmm. and Babylonians and Persia, all the empires that we get to read about in the Bible quite a bit. And right up to modern day, because they were uh, they were part of the Soviet Union, correct? correct? Yeah. And so not too long ago, when the Soviet Union collapsed, a lot of these countries uh, surrounding there, and that's that's a big part of, you know, Ukraine is in the news, obviously. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. There's a, obviously a lot more story about that. But there are other conflicts going on for various region, uh, reasons throughout the region, and some serious things happening in Armenia the last uh, uh, several months. Yeah, so what's ended up happening is we got to backtrack a little bit to like the early 1900s. Stalin basically put a certain region that is and has been predominantly Armenian uh, for centuries, put it into the borders of Azerbaijan, mm -hmm. and but still allowed it to have some kind of a independent existence, but not be considered a Soviet republic, as Armenia was one of the republics and as Azerbaijan was one of the republics. This was one of those territories, you can say. And when the Soviet Union fell, the people of that region uh, did, did a referendum. Uh, the majority of them voted to join Armenia, to which the Azeris saw as a rebellion towards them. So this mm -hmm. is the late, late 80s. Um, and so they attacked the people, and then Armenia came to the rescue, and there was a war that was fought till um, the, the ceasefire was in 94. 
Armenia ended up being on the victorious side of that. But the world never really solved that issue. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of a self-declared independent state, but not recognized by anyone. Um, and so that was the case till uh, 2020 when Azerbaijan launched a full-scale war against that region, took back a bunch of the territories, and then um, just a number of days ago, did that again for the rest of the territories that they, they hadn't conquered and they were just it's 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 interesting when you look at military strategists they're saying that this is kind of the first war of its kind that it was predominantly used drones were used in in mm. engaging it specifically from the Azeri side using Turkish drones. Yeah. So this war that was fought recently, you know, I think sometimes when we hear about wars, you know, for those of us maybe who didn't fight in them or who haven't experienced them personally, mm-hmm. you know, we think of what we've seen in movies and we think of you know, tanks and airplanes and armies going against each other. But one of the things that was happening here and that does happen in wars to different extents is deliberate attacks on people, starving families to death, people who aren't necessarily taking up arms, but just living there uh, are being murdered. Yeah. So uh, if if people are familiar with uh, Nazi propaganda, for example, yeah. You regularly would see drawings and paintings of Jewish people being painted as like rats mm-hmm. um, and depicting them as like subhuman in in the art. Yeah. So there was uh, a number of things that were propagated during, during the 2020 war. The, it's called the 44 Day War, where there would be like cockroach exterminators. Uh, that was an Azari exterminator, essentially exterminating that portion. Of that land. Mm. So you tell me whether that's not racist in its ideology, whether that's not in, in this, these people here are subhuman. Yeah. Once you get that into the psyche of your populace, then you can do anything you want to them. And you can go into their homes and shoot them and kill them. And if the world doesn't care and they're not watching, it's going to go by unnoticed. That's right. And the, this is something that in that region it, we have seen uh, throughout history actually a long time, the dehumanizing of a certain group of people, giving them permission, if you will, uh, to exterminate. Correct. And that's the, one of the most evil things in the world. It's one of the most evil things that human beings can do. And it's a direct attack on who human beings are in the image of God. To dehumanize anybody for any reason uh, is the, the step to violence. Yeah. And, you know, for Armenians, it's kind of a recurring nightmare because of the genocide. So the genocide was perpetrated in 1915 by the Ottoman Turks. That hasn't been really fully recognized, and there's no reconciliation there in any way. The Azeris are Turkic people. They actually refer to themselves and the Turks as one, uh, two states, one people. Yeah. The so, Azeris, they're from Azerbaijan. Correct. That's what they call themselves. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, they, have, they, they speak a Turkic language. They consider the Turks their closest brothers. And so they're two states, but one people. And so for the Armenians, again, it's this recurring nightmare where you go, that was done. Nobody cared about it then. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that we sit and sometimes we reflect on historic events and say, if I was alive, I would have done something. Right. If, if, you know, if I was alive during the 30s and 40s, man, like what I would have done. Well, there's genocides happening today. Same stuff is happening today. Same lingo is happening today. There's still evil people on the planet because That's people right. are sinners. And Satan still roams the earth. Um, and so, but we kind of passively exist without paying attention to what's going on. We do. Yeah, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is uh, Arthur Asadurian. He's the founder of Apologia Center, and uh, he is Armenian and grew up there. And we're talking about a current Armenian genocide and why we should care about what Christians are going through, even in 
different parts of the world. Um, if you want to call, if you have a question, you can call 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, I was hearing somebody talk about this in uh, in the Congress, and, you know, he said recently, because it did, it did finally get a little bit of attention, uh, but it's had very little. But one of the things he said I thought that was profound, really, I wouldn't even want to say profound, maybe it's just obvious, hmm. is he says, we always say never again. Right when when terrible things happen, genocides or wars or nine eleven, these types of things, we say never again. And what we mean is, is we're going to get out in front of these problems. We know it's evil. We know that that these things are part of who human beings are. We're never going to let this happen again. And yet, here we are, and it's happening again in the exact same region. Really, a lot of the same uh, reasons why. Yeah, this is a spiritual thing, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely think it's a spiritual thing. Um, some people would, uh, from the other side, and and uh, they would say, well, you know, it's politics, it's the Russians doing this and doing that. Maybe so, maybe part of it. That doesn't mean it's not a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. For me, my immediate response to stuff like that is, cool, so why is it that every time there's the taking over of an Armenian um, town or place, predominant Armenian place, churches are converted into mosques, there's some soldier standing on top of the church, kicking down a cross and yelling, Allah Akbar. Right. Which are all things we've seen. I mean, the Azari soldiers post these things themselves. Yes. The very recent uh, videos that I saw were a bunch of them just, for no apparent reason, I mean, these, are things, these are monuments, right, of crosses. Um, and they're just gunning it down. Mm-hmm. So why is that the case? Why is it such Jesus hate? Of course, it's a spiritual thing. I think that's something that also as believers we need to recognize is that this is not just a, you know, a function of collapsing Soviet republics. And, you know, if you read about this, if you get into it, you know, you hear about Russian peacekeepers and Mm. a lot of stuff that I think as Americans we don't even recognize might be happening somewhere else. Why do Russians have peacekeepers? I thought that was just us or the Blue Helmet UN guys, right? Um, There is a, a... attack against uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic, actually, and Christianity in general. We saw this a lot with ISIS. They were blowing up uh, Christian uh, temples and Christian churches and Christian artifacts all throughout the uh, Middle East as they were doing that. It was something that was celebrated to pretend that history isn't there. Yeah, well, that's that's a part of the the spiritual, social, kind of political makeup of Islam, I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and like, why was the Hagia Sophia reconverted into a mosque? Right. Well, is that not a statement by the leader of Turkey to say, Hey, this is a spiritual sort of thing. We're claiming certain positions when it comes to this land, what runs it, what ideology is predominant in it. And the same thing keeps happening specifically within this re this region is extremely, um, it, it has a historic significance to Armenians. One of, one of them being that the Armenian alphabet was created in, uh, in the mid-400s mm-hmm. to translate the Bible into Armenian. Now, that's the reason that the language was created? Uh, the alphabet was created alphabet. for that reason, yeah. yeah. So people spoke Armenian, I guess, right? The language it, it existed, was, It yes. was never, uh, I don't know what the word is, put down into... They, so they didn't have their own alphabet. They were using Greek, uh, the Greek alphabet predominantly. Okay. But right. um, it, it, they, the specific monk... God put it on his heart to create the alphabet so that they would be able to read the the Bible 
in our own tongue, in our own speech. Yeah, and uh, that is one of the functions of the Christian church as it's moved around the world, that is translated the Word of God. What is the, uh, the, the phrase, Word of God? How do you say that in Armenian? Astvatashunch. Yeah, it means breath of God. It means breath of God. Correct. It's such a great way of saying. That. Well, it's 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 a, it's, it's a literal translation translation of what uh, Paul says to Timothy, right? Yes, that this is God breathed. God breathed, and uh, we you know without those translations and that mindset, you know, maybe we wouldn't have the translations we have today. That's another reason that these things matter. Is that there's a mindset of the church to go on and bring the breath of God, if you will, to every culture to every nation that's what we're commanded to do yeah i mean god's call on us has been to expand the kingdom of god on on this earth yeah and uh, we do that by the best thing we can do is put the word of god in people's hands that's right you're listening to the pastor scott show my guest is arthur osadurian you can give us a call if you want to join the conversation the number is 888-528-2557 uh let's go to a call here here's uh joseph in northridge uh joseph welcome to the pastor scott oh we lost joseph just clicked on it, and then uh, I, he just went away. Anyway, Joseph, uh, you can give us a call back. 888-528-2557 is the number. Um, you know, as and I'm wondering, you know, as we're listening to this, how do, as, as Christians, you know, something, as we were talking about the spiritual nature of all this that's going on, looking at these battles and what we see with the tearing down of, of the Christian symbols, and the goal of people who do that is to erase the history. They want people to not know the history. That's another thing that evil regimes always want to do, yes. right, is they want to pretend that the old history isn't even there, and they change it. Um, this is why Christians need to look at, or part of why, Christians need to look at these things from a spiritual lens. Correct. Yeah, so um, I, I've been in conversations with Iranian believers uh, and one of the things I tell them is that, hey, you know, in, in the first century, second century, when the disciples came to that region, it wasn't just the Armenians that they evangelized to. It was also the Iranians. It was the Persians mm-hmm. that they evangelized to. And so you guys have a very rich history, but it's been ripped away from you. Mm. Throughout the Islamic conquest, it's been ripped away, and it's been completely covered up. It's literally been – the grave has been dug, and, and it's been filled in. Um, and, uh, and they don't want to know. They don't want their people to know that they have a rich Christian history. And, and it's the same thing. Whoever's, so we have 120,000 people that have just been depopulated from this region, yeah. Artsakh. Um, and, and what they're going to do is they're going to go in there, they're going to convert churches into mosques, they're going to change things around, uh, come up with some kind of a bogus historical thing, uh, and then make their people think things and believe things that really aren't the historical facts. Yeah. Where are the people going to go? So I, I watched a little bit of this on the internet and I watched people getting on buses and this is the last bus, you know, out yeah. of the region and they're loading on mothers and kids and, and uh, it's a very sad story. And where are they going? So they are going to Armenia. Their first stop has been in Southern Armenia in a town called Goris. Um, and then there, there, the, the Red Cross is there, various organizations and NGOs are there helping the people. Give, these people have been blockaded and haven't had normal food to eat for the past nine, ten months, by the way. That's a big deal. We had a guest on talk about that a few months ago, that this blockade deliberately was uh, done to starve people out. So they starved them and then they bombed them. Yeah. yeah. Which is, again, if, if that's not genocidal, I don't know what it is. It's, it's horrific. The intent is genocidal, right? Yeah. That's not normal uh, warfare. You're not fighting an army. And especially that's if you're right. claiming these are your citizens. Why would you starve your own citizens? Because that's the claim from the other side. Um, 
And so people are very malnourished. Kids are malnourished. I have friends that are on the ground over there in Goris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they were telling me that they're buying chocolate and kids are seeing chocolate for the first time in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's basic needs. The government's involved in it. And then they are essentially trying to not overwhelm small towns because these are small towns. So they're separating the people and kind of establishing them throughout the nation. Okay. And, you know, why is it from the other side of it? What's their excuse? You know, what do they say is going on? Why, you know, do they deny that this is a uh, uh, a blockade? Do they deny that people are dying or that they're bombing? Is it, look, nope, nope, this yeah, isn't it's, happening. It's what do they say? I mean, initially, the, the first thing is that, well, this is uh, internationally recognized as our lands, as our borders, mm-hmm. because Stalin decided that it was the case in 1920s, and the world never really paid any attention to it. Um, initially, when the blockade happened, they said these are eco-activists, and they have issues with the way that the people of Artsakh were mining. Well, that's right. In the it was an environmental. Yeah, thing. it was environmental. So you had to put some kind of uh, virtue to it. I yeah, guess. I guess so. Yeah, and that's a, that's a scary thing about that, right? Is that oh, these people, and that's another. It's another maybe a modern. I don't know if you have a take on this, but a modern take on uh, on dehumanization is to take something with virtue and apply it. Say these people are less human because of their mining practices or because of their. You know, they're not building solar electricity or other stuff. They're building a coal plant. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I would suppose so. I think one of the things that's happening, uh, and I forget who I was listening to recently about this, but um, it, it essentially is this idea of going backwards. We're going back to paganism where we're elevating the creation above the human beings. Because right. in the Bible, what we see is that the pinnacle and the top of the creation is people being made in God's image. But we're in a reversal now. Yeah, and that, uh, that's another thing that Christians need to look at and how it can be used, even in the case of warfare or in this case in genocide, to elevate the creation above the human being. Correct. And uh, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, and I see your calls, uh, Charlie and others. We're going to take a break here. We'll get to your calls as soon as we come back. My guest is uh, Arthur uh, Asadurian, and uh, Arthur is a pastor. He uh, graduated from Talbot School of Theology, and he currently serves training people in defense of the Christian faith through his apologetics ministry. You can find it at apologiacenter.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A-Center.com. And uh, I found uh, a lot of great resources on there, and he does a lot of live stuff on the YouTube machine and other stuff. We'll come back for your calls and uh, with Arthur in just a moment. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us by following uh, at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can watch me and Arthur right now on KKLA.com. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557 is the number. You can watch us right now at kkla.com. My guest is Arthur Osadurian, and uh, he is a pastor. And uh, he runs a ministry called Apologia Center. You can find it at ApologiaCenter.com. I encourage you to go to that, and you can follow him all over the place on social media also. And uh, we're talking about the crisis in Armenia and talking about why we need to care about that. Why it's something that, you know, this, there's a whole lot in the news about Ukraine and what's happening there and the, the fights that our own Congress and people are having about all of that. And it's, it's interesting because uh, there are, there's a humanitarian crisis just a little bit uh, south of there, and uh, it's, it's severe. 
Christians are in are connected, but also just uh, Armenians and other people. Um, and I want to take your calls here, 888-528-2557. Let me go to Charlie here in Westminster. We'll start with him. Hi, Charlie. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks. Uh, as I understand, there's a weak political connection between Russia and Armenia, but there's a strong faith connection between Russia and Armenia. Those uh, countries are both traditionally and currently Eastern Orthodox. Well, uh, Russia technically is Eastern Orthodox, and Armenia is Oriental Orthodox. And there, there's a technical, there's you know some problems between that, but there's no no act, no important, as I understand it, uh, uh, differences. And I'm Eastern Orthodox. I'm I'm Antiochian Orthodox. Uh, how come um, um, uh, Russia isn't standing by the people uh, of Artsakh? Uh, they're they're the the big power in the region. They're the peacekeepers, right? So uh, let's talk about this, Russia and also the United Nations and some other things really have just happened in the last couple of days. Thank you for your call, Charlie. Uh, thanks, Charlie. Uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting because uh, the same thing could be said about Ukraine, could it not? Ukraine is Eastern Orthodox and the Russians are Eastern Orthodox. Right. So um, there might be a connection of those sorts, but I think it's just beyond that. It's beyond just... Um, I think sometimes maybe even conservatives fall into the trap of thinking, hey, look at Russia. They're passing laws and doing X, Y, and Z. They must be thinking about traditional values where I would think I would disagree with that. I think they're more interested in their dominance in that region. Uh, they've always wanted to have a strategic f- foothold in that region. And this conflict sort of gives them that. Um, and so they were supposed to be the peacekeepers uh, in that region. Um, and they, it seems like from everyone that's coming out of that region, they're saying they didn't do their job. Hmm. Um, they, they didn't keep the peace. They, it seems like they knew about this latest attack, they were told beforehand. One of the things that has been, uh, politically speaking, uh, going against Armenia, I suppose, is that it's with the current leadership, it's been leaning a lot more uh, towards the West. As a matter of fact, the parliament, Armenian parliament ratified... Um, and accepted the Statute of Rome, which essentially um, says that if Putin goes into any country that agrees with it, then he's going to be arrested. He's a wanted criminal. So if Putin goes to Armenia, he gets arrested. That, yeah, it, it seems like as of today that uh, that's being accepted or has been accepted. So, But Armenia says that this, is, this has nothing to do with Russia. Armenia is saying the reason why they're joining the international court is so that they can take Azerbaijan to court over their human rights violations. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of hope that people put into uh, the United Nations and international bodies for things like this. But even getting back to, you know, what we said before is that we always say, you know, never again. We're never going to let this happen again. Then we put a body together to try to help us never again. I read that uh, Russia is trying to get uh, their position back uh, on the United Nations Human Rights Council. And that's they'll, interesting. They'll pro- that's really interesting, right? Is uh, you know their their rotation is up, and I guess we're in. Um, you know what's the what is this humanitarian crisis and a global response? What's the current situation? Well, some countries have sent money. Uh, the USAID was there, um, but again, it's it's lots of talk and and nothing really being done. It, frankly, like if if I'm going to be very blunt about it, who really cares after something's been done that you went there and you passed out some food to some people? After it's already been yeah, done. Yeah, especially when people have been telling you it's going to be done. And this has been happening for nine months. For months, right? This has been going on. It finally happened. And then the UN got around to it. Yeah. So the, the, Armenia has been warning the entire world. Um, that's the UN. That's the European Union. 
um, uh, saying, hey, this is what they're doing. They're blockading this region. People are starving. Um, and and the next thing you know, the European Union has its leadership in Azerbaijan signing um, gas deals and oil deals and stuff like that because of the, the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, and so the, it seems to be the case that they're per- turning a blind eye. That's that's the facts uh, that we need to just realize. I don't want to be okay with it, but that's the reality of it. Uh, so the UN uh, sent some delegation to a completely empty Artsakh yeah, yesterday. Because everyone's gone. Because everybody's in Armenia now. Yeah. Um, and uh, And then they were supposed to see if there was human rights violations that were done. And I guess they got a tour of the place by some Azeris. Well, obviously, they're not going to take them to places where those things have happened. Right. Um, and if you don't know the region, you've, you haven't been in that. The UN hasn't been in that region for, for three decades. So you don't know where anything is. Yeah. Um, and, so, and then they came out and said, oh, yeah, no civilians or civilian infrastructure has been damaged. All the while, there's uh, very clear video and photo evidence of all those things happening. It's an interesting thing about social media is, you know, with, there's a lot of downsides to social media, a lot yes. of terrible things. But there's a lot of positive things because there's things we know about that we would not know about or understand uh, but for somebody standing there with their phone making a recording of it. Yeah, the issue also is that the Azeri soldiers are themselves recording these things and putting it on the internet. There's right. Her- so I have, right. A, I, have, I, have a, I have a good friend who's been sifting through social media trying to go through some of these things for an organization. And the stuff he's, he, he's been forced to watch, essentially, is horrendous. So we're talking about like decapitations. We're talking about ears being yeah, cut the, off. The, t- worst, yeah. the, the worst, worst of, of the worst. torture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, the evidence is there. And yeah. if somebody can figure that out here on their computer, I have no idea how the UN can sit there and say, hmm, we haven't seen any evidence. We haven't seen it. Right. You know, I think we have to take the, the opinion that this is not uh, very serious, right? There's uh, international politic of where the attention's going to go and why and who's getting money. And, and that's an unfortunate part of uh, human corruption, Correct. You know, as we talked about before. You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show, and uh, my guess is... Arthur, uh, I don't have your name up in front of me here. And I, am I pronouncing it right? You, sure. You're doing a great job. Most people struggle with it. Okay, Arthur Asadurian. Yes. And, uh, you know, the when we take a look at, at that, uh, and from the Christian point of view, we were talking earlier about why it is spiritual and that a false history gets presented. And I worry about that around the world, right? Even in our own country now, we we go back and we change history. We start to say all kinds of things, this didn't happen or this did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as more and more time goes by, it's easier to say that because the evidence can be removed or it fades into history, people pass away. Uh, This is a danger, uh, the changing of history. Correct. Uh, look, I've watched way more Azeri propaganda in the last three weeks than I would like to uh, admit. Uh, but when you listen to it from the other side and you see what they're saying, blatant things that the entire world agrees with, like Armenia being the first Christian nation. Yeah. Right. Like the entire Christian community, the entire world agrees this is a historical fact. And like you'll have some kind of an alternative from the Azeri side. Uh, Armenians have been leaving, living in this region. They had empires. Uh, in uh, in the early 90s AD in that region, and then they will have an alternative explanation of that, how it's not really Armenian, it's Azeri and X, Y, and Z. Um, and so when you got a people group who've been raised in a close country, in a country that since 1990 has had two leaders, father and son, mm-hmm. so it's been a dictatorship, 
Um, a real dictator. A real dictator. Not just a president people don't like. Correct. Right. Yeah, he's called a president. Right. But he's called a president the way Saddam Hussein was called a president. Right. Right. Got 99% of yeah. the vote. And, uh, and so their entire education is formulated in a certain way. There's complete hate from the populace towards Armenians. You just listen to your average person and the stuff they say. Um, they put this stuff out. I'm not – don't trust me. Go watch and read their stuff uh, and see what they're saying about Armenians. Yeah. And and then you make up your mind as to whether the history they get um, and whether the consensus globally is on their side or not. Yeah. You know, um, why – getting kind of back to us here, we're here in Southern California – you know, why should we be aware, particularly as believers, but anybody listening to this, of what's going on around the world? I mean, it feels like this is far away. It's not in the news. How do we even look at it? But there's a very large Armenian population. Maybe people don't realize that right here in Southern California. Well, yeah, it's not just Southern California. It's uh, Arme- Armenians uh, when uh, those who survived the genocide ended up on the east coast of the United States, so mo- mostly in Boston. Mm-hmm. There's a big Armenian community in Boston as well as uh, eventually making their way to Fresno and then, and then Southern California here. Um, we care about this stuff because there's a couple of generations. The initial ones were genocide survivors. Mm-hmm. The other ones have either come here because of Islamic totalitarianism in Iran or have come here because of communism. Right. Um, and so we care quite deeply about these things. We care quite deeply about our country and finally being independent. I mean – Part of the American dream and part of the American revolution uh, is that people have a right to self-governance. And we have to respect that. We have to, that's one of the things that we have to value and really fight for globally as Americans. And when you get a region where the people wanted to legally go about becoming independent by themselves – and that wasn't allowed, and they were oppressed, and they were killed for doing that. I think that's like as anti-American as it, it can get. That's right. And that's one reason to think about it. The other reason is that there's a lot of Armenian Christians Correct. Uh, right here and who love Jesus and who are – if you're a Christian and you're listening, they're, they're part of our body. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. We get so divided you know, over so many different things. And yet we shouldn't be. We are the body of Christ. We have people right here who are are suffering because of this news that maybe is news to a lot of people listening. And then we have the body of Christ suffering in Armenia. And uh, that's a reason that we should pay attention. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I would say is that Armenia is a very strategic location, missionally speaking. Mm. You have to realize the countries that are around Armenia. That's right. So you got three predominantly Muslim countries. And Armenians are very willing, Armenian Christians and believers in Jesus are very willing to reach their neighbors for Jesus, to do missions to Turks and Iranians and Azeris, even given the historical conflicts, even given the current conflicts, because we, ha- we have the heart of Jesus. We want people to come to know Jesus. Um, and so if we're even thinking about it missionally, that's very strategic place to do missions and reach people groups that maybe not many people around the world are thinking about and caring about. Yeah. Are you able to stay one more uh, segment with us? Yeah. 
Uh, I want to finish uh, that conversation and, be, and to understand how we can pray for Armenia and our Armenians uh, who are here and over there. And uh, my guest is Arthur Asadurian, and uh, you're a pastor, and you have an apologetics ministry. And so maybe we'll even just throw it open. If you've got a Bible question, i got somebody sitting here who's a, a great Christian apologist. You know, maybe you got a question about what we're talking about primarily, but, you know, we'll take a couple of minutes as uh, we have a final segment. Uh, maybe there's just something you want to understand about Christianity, and we got a good guest for that. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can watch us at kkla.com on our live stream. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, or X, Instagram. <laughs> Nobody knows what to call that yet. You know, I, I, it doesn't feel right calling it that, but uh, at Pastor Scott Show, that's where that is. The number again is 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Monday. What day is today? Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Number is 888-528-2557. We're talking to Arthur Asadurian, and we've been talking about Armenia and what's happening there and how do we support the humanitarian crisis that's there because of war and actually genocide that is happening there. And uh, the U.N., we were leaving left off with how late they are to the party, uh, as usual, but also that as Christians, we have uh, a responsibility to pray for and to support our brothers and sisters in Christ and to care about people who are suffering around the world. Also, I want you to know this about Arthur. He is a great apologist, Christian apologist, graduated from Talbot Seminary right here uh, at uh, Biola, and uh, he currently is serving. Um, tell us about the ministry that you're doing now in, in various ways. Sure, yeah. Um, so we do engagements at churches, uh, speaking at uh, conferences or, or just churches, training them in apologetics. Um, we also create online content that's short-term video, long-term video. I stream quite a bit answering people's questions live. And then we have a ministry in Armenia as well. So we do Armenian-only content Yeah, uh, that is apologetics-oriented. Uh, it's the only ministry that I know of that does it. So, How is apologetics different in different uh, cultures around the world? Do people ask different questions, or is it pretty much yeah, the absolutely. same question? Yeah, no. Uh, I mean— you could always come to the the problem of evil question. Every everyone that's gone through any kind of suffering is going to ask you if God is good, and He's all powerful. Why is there evil? But um, cultures look at questions differently. If you're looking at a culture that has a belief in many different gods, that's going to look very different than our culture that tends to be a bit more skeptical, um, a bit more atheistic. Maybe you could use that kind of language. Not all cultures are atheistic. That's right. Some cultures, you don't have to argue for the existence of God. People just believe in God. They just want to know whether Christianity is true. Right. So, yeah, we do tend to do that a little bit more where we argue about, you know, how did God create the world, not if he created the world. Correct. Right. Yeah. Or like if the Bible, like how can I trust the Bible compared to like all you know, religions claim some kind of a revelation and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's interesting how different parts of the world just are going to have a different approach to things. And that comes right here to home. Being in, in California and L.A., we've got every part of the world here. Yes. And that's something yes, to remember, you know, on our show is that not everybody's hearing the same thing or has the same questions. Yes. So Los Angeles is a very unique place in regards to that, right? Because yeah. the world has come here. That's right. I remember taking a walk at the beach and I counted how many languages I heard. I was just going down a boardwalk, right? And I was hearing so many different languages and I, I counted something like 12, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, that's amazing. It was just one walk for maybe an hour. 
and I heard that many different languages being as best I can tell. Maybe yeah. I got it. Well, I think we're going to hear a lot more than that in heaven. We are, or is it going to be what? See, I, well, a, I had a Hebrew professor who says, no, we'll all be speaking Hebrew. Yeah, th- my reading of the book of Revelation <laughs> says every na- for people from every nation, tribe, and tongue are worshiping oh, God. Oh, yeah, so. so maybe it is uh, <laughs> everything. You know, I don't know if we have a special language. <laughs> hey, the number is 888-528-2557 if you've got a question or want to join the conversation. Um, you know, we, I think we find ourselves sometimes when we hear about Christian suffering around the world, you know, we often do fundraisers for kids who are starving somewhere. And we do this in our churches. And it's, it's very easy to relate to that in a way, right? The, we see the poverty. We see that on our TV screens. We've known about that our whole life. We know that the economy works in such a way where, you know, $100 here doesn't get you very much, but $100 in Uganda takes you it's amazing what that can do, right? So that's kind of an easy way for us to get involved. But then we hear about something that hardly makes the news, but there's tremendous suffering, a tremendous humanitarian crisis, and I think a Christian responsibility. You know, if we want to know more about this, you know, how do we pray and where do we go to to stay informed on this if God is putting it in our hearts right yeah, now? Yeah, there's a number of ways. Number one, how we pray. We pray for peace, as the Bible tells us to pray peace for peace. We also pray for our leaders, our political leaders, as the Bible tells us to pray for our political leaders, that they'd be wise and make wise decisions instead mm. of foolish decisions. So we, important yeah, because to pray for that. We forget to pray for our leaders. And, and sometimes maybe even within our Christian circles, we think, well, so-and-so is not a Christian. It's like, well, the Bible doesn't give you that uh, freedom to think whether they're a Christian, whether you can pray for them or not. It just tells you to pray right. for the leadership. Or we, mis- <laughs> we misunderstand what it means. Like, I'm, I'm not praying for leadership to continue to make bad decisions I don't like. Yes. We, we want to pray that they change their mind, that they make good decisions. And that's, that's a, we're talking about international things, especially the leadership of this country makes significant decisions that impact the whole world. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So the United States, for example, one of the things it does is that it's been, it's, it sends military aid to Azerbaijan. Right. So people have been putting um, a considerable effort in stopping the U.S. from doing that. Yeah. Right. So we want to pray again for wisdom. Pray for, I would say, boldness and courage because these are difficult meetings to go into and make certain stances that might not be favorable mm. to, uh, you know, maybe groupthink or something like that that can right. happen in those kinds of settings. Um, but ultimately, again, pray for peace. We pray for the gospel to go forward and for people to come to know God. Uh, specifically, if people want to give and, and help, I would say right now the best way for them to do that is, is financially, unless they want to get up and go to Armenia. And if they want to do that, Hey, shoot me an email, info at apologiacenter.com. I'm very sure I can connect you to someone in Armenia, and you can go serve uh, on, on the ground over there. Um, and even if they want to give financially, there's a couple of organizations that I'm connected with. Uh, they can email me, and, and I'll put them in touch with that. Specifically, one of them, I'll give you the website. It's uh, www.csi-usa.org. Um, and, and they do good good work, um, just internationally, but specifically they're in Armenia, and they're very close to what's happening. You have to be careful with uh, Christian Solidarity International. Correct. You have to be careful because there's so many different uh, scams going on. You know, I think especially when people don't know, right? You, so yes. that's that's a great resource. And uh, how do we get in touch with you? So if people want to follow up and connect with you and your ministry, I enjoy your ministry very much. Thank you. And uh, the things that you do, um, how do people connect with you? Uh, they can check out my YouTube channel. Um, again, I, I stream quite a bit. That's Apologia Center or Apologia Center. Um, or they can uh, go to the website, apologiacenter.com, or email me, info at apologiacenter.com. 
All right, that's ApologiaCenter.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, Apologia, just like it sounds, Center, just like it sounds, Yes. Uh, dot com. And, uh, you know, that's, we live in a time where I do think people are asking more questions, right? I feel like even in our country, there is a lot more right now, at least people wondering, they know we need to repent of something. You know, yes. they, they know that they just don't know what direction to kneel. Right. We we forgot how to be penitent. Right. We forgot that we need to turn to God. We're looking for different things. Do you see that in your ministry when people call in? And, yeah. And yeah. You absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yesterday I was doing a reaction video to uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, he's, he does this Exodus studies. But uh, Dennis Prager said something very interesting. He said for the first time, he's actually started reflecting on the fact if the devil is real. Yeah, I've heard him and, say that. Right? And, and he's like, there's so much evil in the world. And the way people are kind of converting evil to good, good calling good evil, yes. evil good. Um, and he goes, there, there's got to be a force beyond this. So I'm happy that he's actually considering that, as we all should be. Because yeah. when we look at the condition of the world and we look at the condition of our hearts, um, and if we're really reflecting on that, then we fall to our knees before God and confess that we're sinners and we need to repent. That's right. And, and this, only, only Jesus can save us from that. And this is a way that we need to pray for each other and for everything going on. And, and to have hope, too. You know, I think yes. there's too many people who have just sort of given up, even in, in the church. You know, or they're saying, well, Jesus is coming back next week, obviously, so I'm done. Right? And, you know, people have been saying that for 2,000 years. Yeah. Uh, the church has been. And, you know, you mentioned the seven churches at the beginning of our, our talk. You know, I always think it's remarkable that Jesus, right before he tells us what's going to happen at the end, he reminds us, you need to pay attention to what's happening now. Correct. And what your mission is now as the church. Yeah. Um, we win at the end. Yes. Uh, and uh, by we, I mean Jesus. Uh, and we need to always remember that. That's the hope. That's yeah. the hope that we get to share with people is that God will be victorious and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hey, Arthur, thank you for being with me today. And uh, before you go, I want to pray for you and uh, pray for Armenia. We just have a little bit of time left. So can I do that? Yeah, sure. Thank you. God, I thank you for uh, Arthur and the ministry that you have given him at the Apologia Center. And uh, God, we pray for Armenia right now and our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, in particular who are suffering over there in the, the war and the genocide and all of the turmoil that is happening. And for all the people who are, are suffering there, we ask for Wisdom for our leaders, for President Biden, for uh, people in Congress who sit on committees that make decisions about where our money goes, and for leaders at the UN who make decisions about who gets support and what gets brought up, even for people who lead in other ways with media and uh, who publish stuff. We pray, Lord, that the truth would be known and uh, by the world. We pray for the protection of people. We pray for their care, and we pray especially for the strengthening of their faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Arthur, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having Uh, me. Really appreciate it. You're listening to The Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Arthur Arsadurian. You can find his website and everything about him at ApologiaCenter.com. He, of course, is on social media, and uh, as are we. So you can find all of that at ApologiaCenter.com. And you can follow The Pastor Scott Show. We'll post all of that information here pretty soon on there, at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, you can get the podcast of this episode by looking for The Pastor Scott Show podcast. Click subscribe and give us a follow. All right, we'll be back with Hour 2 in just a moment. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.